unlock exclusive content and access to our podcast while supporting our show. How is that possible? Become a Narratives of Purpose patron at patreon.com forward slash NOP podcast. Welcome to a new episode of Narratives of Purpose, a place for conversations with inspiring leaders that is all about amplifying social impact. I bring you unique stories of changemakers, stories of people who are contributing to make a difference in society. By showcasing these individual journeys, I would like to inspire you to take action. If you are tuning in for the first time, my name is Claire Morigande. I am your host on this podcast. In this new season, I am welcoming back previous guests to find out how their companies and their organizations have grown since their first feature on Narratives of Purpose. On today's episode, I am catching up with Pauline Kölbel. Pauline is based in Switzerland. She is the founder of She Equity, a catalyst fund that provides smart investments for innovative and impactful African female entrepreneurs, the key driver of inclusive socio-economic growth. She Equity's vision is to reduce the gender funding gap in Africa. Please take a moment to rate and to review our show wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help other listeners find narratives of purpose and further amplify the stories of change we bring on our show. And for now, let's listen to how Pauline's mission to empower women-owned businesses has evolved. So innovation uh, is a tool to solve challenge, right? To solve many challenges. You, you know, you, you start by creating inventing, and then you have an invention, and then you transform into a solution that actually can be tested on a market. Once you manage to co commercialize your innovation, you create new opportunities, uh, including jobs. Having empowered the youth, for me, it means that the human power uh, will continue to innovate and it created more opportunity for future generation. And the last, I mean, in terms of female empowerment, um, you know, I, I'm gonna throw out the statistic here. You probably heard about the fact that um, the women represent more than 50% of world population and, and they raise the remaining 50%. So if you take this in perspective, don't you think it makes sense um, logical that we actually empower women because if we empower women we're empowering the 50% of our people but also we're empowering 50% of people who have the power to influence the remaining 50% so then you wonder why are we not doing this so i wanted to just use the afri prospect to 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 bring about you know those um, promising businesses innovative businesses They have a potential to grow and scale and then connect those to global market. And the second part was basically addressing the problem I just mentioned around the fact that women struggle to you know, access the capital they need to basically contribute to the society, as I just said. And so that's how I set up She Equity, because right now in Africa, there is 42 billion funding gap uh, when you compare Uh, women and men, while actually they are, there were many women embarking on entrepreneurship in Africa than anywhere in the world, as we speak. 
That was a short clip of my first interview with Pauline almost three years ago. She was featured in the very first episode, which was released back in December 2020. I encourage you to listen again to that conversation to hear about Pauline's incredible journey and what motivated her to start She Equity. Like every guest I talk to on the podcast, I have been closely following Pauline's work since we first spoke. I caught up with her a few weeks ago to learn more about She Equity's growth, but also from her personal journey as an entrepreneur. Take a listen. So, good afternoon, Pauline. Welcome back to Narratives of Purpose. I'm really happy to host you again on the podcast. And I remember you were my very first guest. That was close to three years ago. Um, how are you doing today? Good afternoon, Claire. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me back. It's, it's hard to believe it has been three years already. Wow. Exactly. Yeah, it was really at the, almost at the heart of the pandemic, if I could say. So before we, we jump into She Equity... Uh, can you please just remind the listeners, in a few words, what is exactly She Equity? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Claire. So She Equity is a, is a gender lens fund. Uh, what that means is a fund that is intentionally backing female founders. Um, so businesses owned and led by women on the continent. Obviously, the definition of gender lens is broad, but this is our definition basically backing businesses on and led by women in the African continent. Um, and so we do so by taking what we call an ecosystem approach to investing. And so that concretely means combining um, the, the accelerator. We have a launch called She Equity Business Accelerator, uh, standing for Shiba, and uh, our um, fund. So basically... Um, you know, we pride ourselves by saying that we don't just go for the best businesses that already exist there. Of course, we want to invest in the existing businesses that are the best, but also we actually work with the founders uh, to support them to become investment ready. So down the road, they can also be the, those kind of uh, founders with the companies that everyone is rushing to invest in. And so we think that this is what is needed ready to address um the gender funding gap in Africa, which is still 42 billion uh, US dollars. It uh, hasn't changed since we spoke, which means we still have a lot of work to do. Unfortunately, people who, who are outside of Africa and who are no Africans uh, tend to have, um, you know, perception as if um, Africa is too risky. So, so the perception of risk is quite high when it comes to Africa. So this means uh, we still need to do a lot of work to showcase that um, actually investing in Africa is not too risky comparing it to investing in any other market. The difference is really around uh, understanding the risk and designing the risk mitigation and the strategy to intervene and then finding the right businesses to back and, and having a, you know, a team that is ready to execute. So speaking about the right businesses, I remember when we spoke the first time, you had already invested with three equity in uh, three companies. And these companies were covering, if I recall correctly, the data analytics, there was renewable energy, affordable renewable energy, and uh, one that was also based in Kenya on um, waste to value. So 
Can you tell us now what does your portfolio look like? So which businesses are you supporting currently? And especially, you know, are there some specific sector activity you particularly want to focus on? Let me start with the last question. So in terms of the sectors and activities, we remain, you know, at the high level interest in backing innovative, impactful and scalable businesses that are owned and led by women uh, in Africa. And uh, based on that, we then we follow opportunities are in the market. However, we also have a keen interest in the, in the sector that we have seen to be basically having a high impact and, uh, and potential to, to scale. And, the, and those sector includes any, um, you know, healthcare-related businesses. Um, we're looking at uh, any tech-enabled businesses um, that are solving really challenges. We don't really care much about the technology. We care about the solution. Uh, and also believe that with the technology, then it's easier to um, scan the business, right? And then we, you know, agriculture. Um, in fact, uh, again, as, as I said initially, we're combining Shiba and Shi equity. Agriculture is emerging to be one of our key sectors uh, just because, uh, by coincidence, uh, about 70% of Shiba participants are coming in agriculture. And we didn't set out to say we just wanted to focus on, on agriculture. Have majority uh, businesses coming from agriculture sector. It just happens like this is where uh, a lot of uh, you know innovators, entrepreneurs are needed to basically feed the continent. And guess who's doing this? Women. Fast moving consumer goods is also emerging as uh, another sector that uh, we're seeing a lot of potential. And of course, anything that links to climate, um, you know, uh, mitigation, change. Uh, so we have this category as a climate smart solutions. So since we spoke, uh, we went from three companies to actually nine companies now. Um, so we have, or to our portfolio, we have added the two uh, healthcare companies. One is called Medzaf. Uh, so this this is a company operating in Nigeria uh, and addressing issues around um, access to a safe and accurate medication. And uh, we have another one called Wazima Health um, that is uh, you know addressing issues around really uh, supporting healthcare providers. So what they do they provide integrated telehealthcare platform where healthcare you know, providers can uh, be able to service the patient uh, remotely, but also be able to follow up easily and efficiently. Uh, we have added um, a, another company in South Africa that is informal retail, uh, so basically supporting uh, our companies um, in the slums to be able to access better prices. And we also have added uh, a company in, in fintech, financial inclusion, that is addressing uh, issues around um, making sure that people who are running businesses, they're actually able to access financing uh, because existing financial system usually tend to leave behind those who don't have bank accounts, who don't have collaterals. 
Uh, and again, you can guess probably already uh, who, uh, you know, who's the majority in this group, like the people struggling to access financing at the bottom of the pyramid. You probably already know. Women, of course. Exactly. <laughs> and actually, interesting enough, uh, Wafara, by coincidence as well, uh, they realized that at the end, the majority of the, the, the people in the portfolio, the people they're lending to are actually women. Um, so they have, uh, we invested in Wafara um, at the end of last year. This was our last investment in our, in our SPV structure. To date, they have provided more than 170 loans to SMEs uh, in, in markets in Nigeria. And they have impacted over 10,000 lives um, and, and created about 10 jobs directly and more than 1,000 jobs indirectly. So, so again, this is uh, also another thing that maybe I didn't mention how share equity is not just a gender lens fund. It's, it's also by default also an impact fund because we're backing uh, those solutions that are impacting you know, lives down the stream. Exactly. And that's also something I was thinking of asking you, you know, you, you just previously mentioned that you started in three companies three years ago. Now you have nine. What is down the nine, the impact? Do you have some numbers there or something you can share? Yeah, we track our impact because that that's the reason why we, we set up Share Equity because we believed we can actually back uh, entrepreneurs who want to generate a financial return to the, you know, the, the investors while also, you know, solving really challenges. So the key uh, numbers, um, one is starting with the, the sustainable development goals. Um, as we're speaking right now, you have a UN General Assembly happening in, in New York, and the discussion is about SDGs, how we, we are behind. So the uh, founders we have you know, invested in, the business we have invested in collectively, they have contributed to 14 SDGs. And as you know, there's 17 of them. And actually, when you start asking questions around uh, which one that they are not included, for example, it's one on a partnership. But actually, you realize each one of them is actually part, you know, having some form of partnership. So it's also this number is in a sense conservative in terms of what they're doing. Uh, Job-wise, um, because, you know, that's another thing, like uh, how do we create a job for younger people who emerge, you know, coming, finishing school, but also knowing that, you know, creating jobs is a pathway also to um, enhancing a good livelihood for different people. So they have created more than 560 jobs collectively. And in terms of uh, broader impact, uh, collectively, the, all the company have impacted more than 30 million lives across the continent. So, so that's really what, you know, also, you know, gives us energy to keep working, to, to, to believe that if many of us were backing this kind of businesses, again, you know, as a charity and businesses that would generate financial return, but they're motivated by, you know, their wish to solve challenges they face every day. And also knowing that those founders, they know better how to solve those problems than anyone else from anywhere else. So we can actually really um, achieve those SDGs and we can impact more lives and, and end poverty. Exactly. I was just thinking about that when you were mentioning the, the numbers. 
I mean, this is only she equities impact. So imagine if there's, I don't know, quite like 100 of these companies like she equity. The difference is really, I mean, it's enormous, right? You can really make a difference. We can make a difference. And, and that's the essence of, of also being for she equity, because we believe like when it comes to catalyzing actions in Africa, well, you better show than tell, because I think there's a lot of talking but when you show people this is what it is, you're going to go and check yourself. And then um, it becomes clear that there's a pathway for anyone who wants to take actions. And, and also for me, as, as an African woman who, uh, who is in diaspora, I believe this is uh, she equity is also an opportunity for all of us in diaspora to actually contribute in a meaningful way. And be able to share those examples in different communities where we belong. Because again, remember Claire, one of the key reasons many investors are shying away from investing in Africa is because they think it's too complex. They think it's, uh, there's so many risks. So you and I understand the real risk and the, and the also the risk that are not really, really risk. So we, we can work with people from all over to support moving the capital to back women because by coincidence, many women, when they start businesses, it's not just about starting a business, it's about solving a problem. I want to come back to something you said in the very beginning, you know, when you're speaking about she equity and how things have evolved in the past three years. You mentioned Shiba, so the business accelerator. Can you explain a bit more about that and how it's structured and especially why you put that in place in addition to having the investment part? Right after uh, we launched She Equity and we start talking to people about our vision, about, you know, how we really want to contribute towards it, you know, at closing the 42 billion gender funding gap and how we are bullish about backing female founders. The first question that I kept receiving is, uh, are you sure you're going to find a pipeline? Are you sure you're going to find women who have businesses that if you invest in them, you can bring my money back. You know, in essence, the whole perception about how when you invest in women is a charity, you know, because you're just a nice person, you're helping women. At that time, I realized, you know, we needed to address this question, not just by saying, hey, yes, we know where they are, we can find them, but also intentionally making sure that we're growing the pipeline, like we actually were identifying those women those founders were working really hard, but uh, somehow we believe uh, if they were to knock on the door today to want to talk to, to an investor, the investor will find a lot of issues within their businesses, and that would be a reason why they will not continue the conversation. So it, it won't be about the founder's ability to do the job. It would be more the whole business, because as a business, you need to have your financial, you need to have your governance, you need to have your team. You need to have all the policies in place. You need to have your financial being audited. All of the things are quite a lot if you are bootstrapping, right? So so that's when uh, I did one thing that I, I know how to do is uh, read to find partners uh, because I, I believe it's always better when you partner with people who know how to do things and you combine efforts so you can go faster together. So I reach out to uh, this friend of mine now who's a business partner, Anna Samake, who is uh, based in Ghana, and she's originally from uh, Mali, and she has been running accelerators before. And I said, what if we were to run an accelerator just focusing on women? 
with just one intention to get them ready for investment. We're not doing capacity building. We're not doing anything else everyone talks about because those women, they know what they're doing, but they need head holding to polish what they have done. So when they present it, it meets the expectations of investors. And we wanted to design this as investors. So because we know what we look for, we know what kind of business we turn down, even though we like the founders, right? Uh, so that's how we did. We just sat down and look at the, the existing business models, uh, put together a model that basically if you are a founder and you go through this program and you show up every day, you take advantage of the fact that you have a mentor and you have a coach. You can take advantage that we are all available if you have any question. By the time you graduate, you will be well way ahead of the game in terms of being able to, to pitch, to negotiate for yourself. But this is another thing that people don't really discuss much, how we don't necessarily as women, especially African women, negotiate well for ourselves. And most important, at the end, you have a chance to be selected uh, among the top five who are sent to share with a team for investment consideration. We realize um, having this as a feeder to our fund, not just another accelerator by strategy to um, build a pipeline, a trusted pipeline, will allow us to actually have access to the best businesses uh, run by motivated founders because we have also observed them during the 17 weeks program. So, so this is not just an overnight program, 17 weeks programs where the founders have to show up, do their homework, can come and contribute, share what they have learned. So this also shows you the ability for a founder to be coachable, but also to execute, which are part of the things that any investors look for. So fast forward, you know, it was funny because we were like, okay, we know what to do now. How do we do this? You're fundraising. We need to build a fund. If we do this, it's going to be too much. People are going to be saying, hey, you're doing too much. You should focus. Because that's what you hear quite a lot. But we're like, you know, what? we are African women. And we understand if you just do one thing and you, you hope that something else is going to be done, it's not going to happen. So what we did in this, basically, again, leveraging who we are, African women, multitasking, but also leveraging our network. So with Anna, we just reach out to different people we knew in our network. And then we, we launched the first quarters with volunteers. You know, and, and I remember when we were almost towards the end, people were like, wow, how do you do that? Do you, how, where do you get money to do this? I'm like, this is us basically leveraging what we have to make the point, to prove that this can be done and there's a need for it and there's a way to do it. So before we completed this, this cohort, we started a conversation with the USAID Trade Hub West Africa. And uh, within a year, they came on board uh, to support us to accelerate 120 women in West Africa and basically uh, be the pipeline, but also go beyond the, the, the usual, which is usually the Anglophone side. Because we, we knew like the uh, Francophone founder also could probably even more benefit from this program than anyone else. But we didn't have a means to do it. So when we started the conversation with the USID, they were also interested in, a, in us, um, you know, having a cohort focusing on the Francophone countries 
especially Sahel countries, where most of the time investors don't go to Sahel countries because they, again, because of perceived, you know, perceived risk, but also the headlines. The headlines are always on a negative side, right? So, so now we are proud to say, you know, by the end of this year, we will have, um, you know, supported 150 women coming from you know, the West African region, including Francophone and Anglophone speaker. And now we're also getting interest from other regions, people reaching out to us saying, you know, can we stay Shiba in those regions? And how many were you able within these two years to also invest in with Shia Equity? So you said that the top five are basically considered as businesses that Shia Equity will invest in. How many have you have made the leap or the jump, I would say, <laughs> into Shia Equity? I'm glad you asked this question because one of the questions I got from some investors, um, which which was linked to, with the concern about the fact that if someone comes from Shiba, is it automatic that they get investment? So the answer is no. So they coming from Shiba, it, it just allows a shortcut to get to the desk of investment team. An investment team has to go through the same process. Our process involves more than 10 steps, including, you know, going from zero, reviewing the, 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 the documents, talking to the founder, and assessing all uh, aspects of the businesses, but also, you know, all, all other, you know, checklists that we have uh, for our investment. So at the end, um, as we speak, we'll have one investor, the one company that came from Shiba, so that's uh, our father. And even with Oafara, when she graduated, uh, it took us more than six months to go through the whole process because there are a few things that she still needed to address in the business. And because we have worked with her, uh, we were then supporting her to address those before we can move this uh, company to investment committee. So as we speak, we're reviewing uh, the most recent 10. So they are in the process, um, and uh, I cannot tell you how many we're investing because at the end of the day, it's not my decision. The shortest thing is done by our investment team, and then the decision for investment is made by investment committee, and this is made by independent expert, which is important to reassure our investors that we're not just being uh, emotional when it comes to investing. So looking back at these three years, what are for you some key learnings that you would like to share with either aspiring entrepreneurs or any other person in this field who would like to start their own venture just like you did? What for you is key to take away from these three years? So the first one is probably not necessarily encouraging, if I'm going to be honest with you. And I think it's important that we are honest with each other. We're entrepreneurs. Um, it's hard. <laughs> It's hard, and 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 I think also it has been harder because we started during the COVID time, even though COVID is no longer everywhere the way it was that time. I think there's still some issues, you know, the macroeconomics are not back, so so the market hasn't really follow, follow quickly. So when you you're raising a fund during the time like this, focusing on Africa. And then focusing on a group of people that people tend to think they are high risk categories. So it requires a lot of, you know, convincing. What we have learned with this is just realizing this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. 
that also you really need to believe in what you're doing because you know the reason I'm saying it's hard is that just if you're looking for an easy way or you think being an entrepreneur is cool, it's sexy, I'm gonna be one. I would say think twice. <laughs> you know, I think being an entrepreneur is having a conviction that you can hope you know support solving uh, a so you know a problem. You can solve a problem. Uh, and create value for for yourself and for everyone that is involved, um, and then be willing to roll your sleeve and do what needs to be done. What I have learned as well is that um, there are so many people who are actually ready to do good, uh, and also they and more and more the people who who are realizing that um, making money alone is not enough. Because at the end of the day, how much money do you need, right? But if you can make money and uh, change lives and reuse your money to multiply it by changing lives, then the pathway to success actually is very clear. During this journey, fundraising, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to always meet this kind of people. So they might not write a check right away, but if being able to interact with them is, is really cool. Uh, and inspiring. And the other things I have learned as well is, is realizing how many of us Africans, whether African diaspora or Africans anywhere, uh, are now conscious that we need to be driving the change when we need to see. Like, hey, because I used to be surrounding sometimes when people are complaining about life and things that don't work. Um, and it's inspiring that I could now I'm surrounded by people who are always looking at how do I solve this? How, who do I talk to, to join me solve this? And that energy, Claire, it's, it's perhaps that's what I would say. If you want to be an entrepreneur, that's what you should look for. How do you reinforce that energy? And, and also realizing ourselves as Africans, um, how much we can do together, right? I, I wanted to also thank you, Claire, because you were one of the people who actually believed in me initially. When after I made few investment and I was saying, hey, this is what we can do. This is how, what I need. You know, that level of sisterhood that goes beyond words. Um, I think this is what I'm learning as well, that we need to connect. We need to collaborate. But us as Africans, we need to be leading by actions. I mean, I couldn't agree more. And also to come back to a few things that you said you learned, you know, I think it's the same for everybody, wherever you are on this planet is money is not the end of it. <laughs> you need to also find the purpose, basically. Why do you want to get this money? Can you help other people? And I think humankind, uh, humans in general, I inherently also uh, what drives you is to help someone else, right? This gratitude you receive in, in return and if you can bring that to business, it's even better. So I, honestly, I think that learning that you had, it's, I can only agree with that. And the other thing that you were saying is that, um, you know, having this energy and having people around who are also solving issues. As an entrepreneur, I know it can be very difficult and very tough, and that helps you a lot. But to that point, is there something else that keeps you going? Because obviously it's very hard, but... Do you still have moments of doubts or some challenges that you think, okay, this, I'm not going to be able to manage it, you know? How do you go through that, basically? Yeah, to be honest, yeah, the moment of doubts, they come and go. Um, I, I just learn how to kick them out quickly. <laughs> you know? 
Of course, you have been working so hard, you know, you pitch and you think you're going to move through and get that check and and you already have a good pipeline, you have a vision of what you're going to do and then people say, hey, no, this is not the right timing. Of course, we are human. You're not going to go home and dancing, right? And then you question, you know, whether you could be doing something else different. But now for me, I realize what I'm doing is is what I want to be doing. Uh, there's no going back. But I'm also open to learning more and more whether there's a different way I can be doing this, right? And that's what I have learned as well, working with entrepreneurs uh, the last 20 years. And now myself being one, is it's not so much about how many challenges you face. It's about you learning how to deal with those challenges and learn from them, but also you realizing that challenge that you face. And if you learn from it uh, and you stick to your vision, you can also be humble enough to go back or reassess, could I be doing things different to, to achieve my vision? So at the end of the day, it's about the vision, how you get there, and, and you always do what you know how to do. But mostly, I think what's driving me, what keeps me going, is really the inspiration I receive from those women we're backing, realizing that whatever challenges I am facing here, fundraising for sheep or anything else, it's nothing comparing to a woman uh, somewhere who created a business and who was not even able to get the first check to prove what they can do, right? So that then it pushes me to say, hey, I have to keep going because there's someone somewhere, if I'm successful, I can load their dream to actually to flourish. Um, and, and the other thing that I, I'm also reminded every day is that when you see any problem in Africa, there's an, an entrepreneur somewhere who's trying to solve the problem. You know, you can complain about it. You can talk about what the government should do, who is not doing what they should do. But also you can realize there's someone else who's trying to solve this problem. What if you were to just, you know, enable them to do that? And, and that's for me the case for really backing local entrepreneurs. So the she equity vision is still alive and strong, right? The vision remains stronger than ever, but now we have also found many different ways to, to deliver on the vision. You know, so when I started off working from the bank, you know, like my office under COVID and strategy, whatever, is, is different today because we have a team. Uh, but the way they had the good news, I have a partner. So Edith, she's based in Ghana. She's, she's amazing. So... I guess for me, that was a confirmation that, you know, people who are, you know, super smart, uh, who have options, they're realizing like being a part of SHIP, which is what they want to do. And so I'm super humble <laughs> to see that people are realizing that we can really impact many lives while also, you know, supporting uh, investors generate their financial return in a way that I think no one else really gives you uh, other than when you back African women entrepreneurs. It's been a pleasure to have you again, Pauline. Thank you so much for taking the time. Do you have any parting words that you'd like to share? I just want to thank you again, Claire, for um, your support, your sisterhood. And also in this show, I, I have listened to many shows that you, you know, many people have interviewed and I think it's really good that you, you know, you're giving voices for people to share what they're doing and why. 
On my side, I am committed to, you know, doing my contribution towards impacting lives on my home continent. I believe She Equity and Shiba is, is, is a unique business model to deliver value for everyone who's involved. And I really invite uh, anyone, anywhere who wants to, you know, amplify the impact to reach out, uh, whether they are philanthropic or, uh, you know, for profit investors, we have option to collaborate with everyone. And for the founders out, out there, special female founders on the continent, uh, reach out. Uh, and believe in yourselves, you are amazing. And many people know that, that's why they're talking to you. to say that 42 billion US dollars is an incredibly huge funding gap for women-led businesses compared to their male counterparts on the African continent. And as Pauline said, it's a great opportunity for investors to bring about change by closing this gap, just like what She Equity is contributing to by backing up African female founders and innovators. Find out more about Pauline's work with She Equity on the website, sheequity.com. The link is available in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I appreciate you taking the time. That was episode 60, a new conversation with Pauline Kölbel on funding African female entrepreneurs and innovators. Join me again in two weeks. We'll shift gears to talk about artificial intelligence in healthcare and developing open source technologies with another returning guest, Bart DeVita. Make sure you leave us a review everywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, remember to share this episode with a friend, a colleague, or even a family member. You can also connect with us through our website at narratives-of-purpose.podcastpage.io. The link is in the show notes or through our social handles at Narratives of Purpose Podcast. Until the next episode, take care of yourselves, stay well, and stay inspired.